0: Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode...
1: Try not to focus on that for the time being. Look internal, get your consensus from your stakeholders, key, key stakeholders and so forth, and then just focus on your business models to ensure that it is sustainability and it can be getting to the next level.
0: Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org, Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Alfie Othman. Alfie Othman has had a successful banking career of over 12 years, alongside his private sector work. Alfie devoted significant time to the public sector and civil society. Alfie is recognised as a social enterprise practitioner within Singapore. He initiated the formation and was the head of the first urban microcredit scheme in Singapore. The microcredit business scheme was launched in November 2011. He's an advisor to BMT Ventura, an investment venture company that manages a microfinance cooperative with a membership base of 2.2 million people in Indonesia. In 2014, Alfie set up an industrial catering kitchen which provides jobs to workers from marginalized sectors such as ex-offenders, single mothers and people with disability. From 2013 to 2014, Alfie joined a four-member proton Committee to set up the Social Enterprise Association and was the Executive Director. The Social Enterprise Association represented one of the important intermediaries in the social enterprise sector and has a membership base of close to 450 members. In April 2015, Alfie was appointed as the CEO of RAISE, the Singapore Centre for Social Enterprise. Alfie is also a fellow at the Singapore University of Social Science in the area of financial inclusion. So Alfie, it's a pleasure to have you here online today. Thank you so much for joining us at the Social Enterprise World Forum in Brisbane a week ago. Really, really happy to be chatting and keen to start by learning more about what led to your passion in social enterprise.
1: Thank you for having me, Tom. Passion is such a strong word, Tom. Um, So what led me to social enterprise was more of Trying to solve a problem that my community faced. Yeah. I came from a very humble background, and um, traditionally, most of my friends, cousins, and neighbors, they are ex-offenders. And uh, I gathered that it was quite difficult for them to get a job. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself back then. This was about maybe the 20 years ago. The concept of social enterprise was still early and new, and was not that talked about globally or even locally in Singapore. Yes. So I I thought, why just don't set a business, you know, set up our own business and hire these people. I know it's going to have an effect on my profitability or my financial bottom line. Yeah. But my view was, as long as the business is not losing money and I, I can employ a decent percentage of my workforce from the disadvantaged group, should it be a, a good business model to kind of expand to? So that was the starting point. Mm. And since, you know, I kind of pushed that agenda. Again, this was 20 years ago. There was not much talk about social enterprises. Then more kind of uh, gather interest and gather wanting to know about, you know, the concept of doing business and being sustainable and creating an impact. So that kind of pulled me in. And, um, you know, ever since, uh, I am quite, I have a strong belief that this is another avenue of solving the issues of inequality and, uh, you know, equality among you know, as far as providing employment to the, to the society at large.
0: Yes. Yep, absolutely. And look, you brought with you, Alfie, a, a pretty significant uh, length of, of experience and insights coming from that banking and investment area. So that led into your work as well with RAISE. So tell us more about RAISE and the work that you've been doing.
1: Yeah. RAISE typically is the sector developer. We started in 2015, um, the word raise is actually a verb. It's to raise awareness of social enterprises in Singapore and also the sustainability of social enterprises in Singapore. Yep. So it doesn't mean anything, it's an actionable word. Um, so 2015, moving on to 2020 for the first five years and then COVID hit us globally. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we kind of ponder and, and, and say that the first five years we did a fairly good job of developing the sector. Yeah. Um, You know, typical programs that you can see as a sector developer, building capacity, creating awareness, having a membership body, facilitating networking among our members and towards the business ecosystem. So those are what we have done for the last first five years and continue to do as we move on. Mm. But the next five years, we are quite sure that we need to build an ecosystem. Yeah we need to pull in the MNCs, the, the big businesses, government, the policy makers, higher learning institutions like the universities, you know, trade unions and so forth yep. into the social enterprise sector so that, I guess, building a conducive playground uh, really helps not just to build the sector, but also to create awareness, to bring in talent, which is very important these days, yep. to the to the sector, and also to bring capital, private capital into the sector. Mm. I think this is also just as key as social enterprises need to scale.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And you're you're operating primarily out of Singapore, Alfie. So what is it that you think is unique about the social enterprise movement in Singapore?
1: Yeah, so when we started this journey again back in 2015, uh, we look at various models. We look at the one in South Korea, we look at uh, typically the one in UK, it seems to be a combination of a top-down and a bottom-up approach mm. of how to develop the sector. Uh, Korea especially was uh, quite heavy on the top-down where early days they set up uh, a policy or a legislation on what is and what is not a social enterprise.
0: Yeah,
1: um, We decided to take the other way uh, in terms of the community, the social enterprise sector itself, have to define who they are. But... That being said, we need to kind of have a silhouette of a characteristic of a social enterprise. Mm. So we don't define it from the day one, but we kind of you know uh, encourage the characters of a social entrepreneurship or social enterprise. So typically, those are three things we are looking into. One, you have to have a revenue model that is 50% market-driven, yep. meaning you can't depend more than 50% on donation or sponsorship. Uh So 50% has to be from the market. Number two, 20% of your resource has to be intentionally allocated to creating impact. Mm. So just give me, I give you an example of that 20%. Assume you want to call yourself a social enterprise to provide jobs to the disadvantaged group. If you have a workforce of 100 and you employ five, well, that's good. It's a good CSL program but not good enough to be a social enterprise member under race. Mm. It has to be a 20% threshold of your resource allocated for such things. Mm-hmm. The third one is creating products and services that is deemed to be innovative at that point of time um, that can cater to accessibility or affordability to the disadvantaged group. Now, um, say for example, just for you know discussion's sake, you develop a wheelchair with a washing machine on it. Now, it might not be useful, but it's something new. But what if it is needed? Now, race is not a subject matter expert in disability, so we refer to to higher institution learning or, or even non government agencies who are experts in that social ecosystem. If they validated that, yes, we need a wheelchair with a washing machine, then we will encourage that production of wheelchair in the washing machine. Though I, I'm quite
0: sure that it's not needed, I'm just giving an example. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to hear that specific definition that you are all using in, within Singapore, and it's quite similar, of course, to to the other definitions from you know Social Enterprise UK um, and and other other bodies around the world, Alfie. So I'm I'm keen to learn more then about the key opportunities. That you are really observing right now, when it comes to growing the social enterprise movement in Singapore, what is it that you you really are, are prioritizing? Where do you see the the low hanging fruit?
1: Well, the, the low the low hanging fruit is creating employment to the disadvantaged group.
0: Mm.
1: Now, uh, this is you know part of the inequality or inclusive movement that almost every society, community, and economy needs to address. Yeah, uh, but unfortunately. Um, that impact is actually would have a big positioning on the business because, uh, you know, again, this is a hypothesis and this is, we have data to also show this, that typically hiring the disadvantaged group would, the training cost is slightly higher and that would have a cost to the business. And because of the type of, you know, employment creation business model, the scalability function of that business model is also, are uh, quite tough to, mm. to attract capital. Yeah, And and therefore, the challenge, although it's a low-lying food, you can basically achieve that impact easily. Yes. Setting up a cafe, employ maybe five disadvantaged group. but to scale up a cafe is quite tough because it's uh, heavy on the capital expenses.
0: Yes, yep. Yep. Low, low profit so, margins too.
1: Yeah, low profit margins. So although the impact is is in, in terms of, you know, getting that impact is quite, you know, as you say, low-lying food. But in the business side of things, it is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Now, on the flip side, we see more social enterprises creating products and services that are using tech. There's an on-tech platform, uh, especially on the, you know, wellness um, apps and so forth. Now, these are scalable business models. Uh, typically the capex is a one-time heavy investment yeah but you know in terms of expanding it's cheap but again to measure that impact as they scale itself is a challenge
0: yes yeah
1: because it is not you know you you can't see those or you can't measure those impact as easy as say creating an employment
0: Mm, mm, yep absolutely so interesting there to talk about both the employment creation arm but also that measurement of impact so, what advice would you then be giving, Alfie, to, to organisations who perhaps are out there operating businesses, but they are seeking to really embed that impact at the core of their work?
1: Well, you you have to be balanced. Uh, impact is given because that's what drives you to do this in the first place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, of course, you talk about measurement. That is very important as well. But find... A bit of collective understanding and agreement on how you measure impact with your key stakeholders Mm. with your investors with your uh staff your colleagues and you know basically your own internal organization your your board members and maybe the disadvantaged group itself that you're trying to help Mm. now if you find that that consensus that agreement that yes this is the way we measure impact then put it aside And then focus on your business model. Yes. Because there, there are two that people get fixated on how to measure impact, and and then try to get buy-ins for people who is outside your your business or your ecosystem. I think that there's no way we can have a global measurement of measuring impact in the next twenty to thirty years. I I I think we are so you know far out uh, in terms of trying to get a universal approach of measuring impact. Try not to focus on that for the time being. Look internal. Get your consensus from your stakeholders, key, key stakeholders, and so forth. And then just focus on a business model to ensure that it is sustainability and it can be scaling to the next level.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting advice, Alfie. So what social enterprises from Singapore are doing some really inspiring work and and, and embedding this sort of impact uh, you know, deeply uh, within the, the business that they operate?
1: Well, I, I, I've I been asked many times about this question, you know, how do you define success? What are the interesting social enterprises in Singapore? To be honest, Gaze has a membership of about 350 members. These yep. are all legal business entities in Singapore. Yep. I, I, I see them as the same. Even if you, a small cafe to hire two blind men against a tech company or tech social enterprises that just got acquired, by a listed company in Singapore, I see both of them as very interesting and at the same time, challenging. Mm. So I don't differentiate in terms of the impact that they created or the profitability that they have also uh, enjoyed over the last few years in their journey as a social enterprise. I, I do not see any difference in that.
0: And what's the mood like there in Singapore, Alfie? Do you see a growing interest and strong momentum being gained uh, in, in the area? And do, do you see that this is a growing movement?
1: Yes, yes. Uh, it's very exciting. The profile and founders of social enterprises have changed over the last few years, or maybe a decade or so. Traditionally, 10 years ago, if you talk about social entrepreneurs in Singapore, you would see more or less likely or not, a mid-life crisis, people like me who has worked 10 years in the in the business world, trying to step out and do good, and therefore adopting a business model that they call a social enterprise.
0: Mm.
1: Now, you see younger founders, maybe in the mid to late 20s, who kind of work a few years after they pass their uni, and they are quite sure that meaning and purpose is key to the way they're going to lead their life, and setting up a social enterprise will be one of their first few options.
0: Mm. Mm.
1: The fact that they are younger founders, more likely than not, they're going to use tech as a tool and they want to kind of achieve scalable impact beyond Singapore. And that is also present an exciting business model for us to explore.
0: Mm. Interesting to hear. And, and getting close to the end here, when we look more broadly at Southeast Asia, where are you seeing other really strong examples uh, in the region of social enterprise sort of raising up as a as a movement?
1: I see. Uh, maybe on you are talking about Asia and Southeast Asia. you
0: yeah.
1: You see the maybe the traditional five. Um, in I mean Thailand, um, Vietnam, Indonesia, Malaysia, and uh, Philippines, um, they are quite exciting. Um, mm. Especially Thailand has has you know kind of early days put a legislation to it. Uh, the Malaysian model more or less mirror the Singapore model. Philippines has always been. Uh, very focused on microfinance and disaster relief impact. Yep. Indonesia is very exciting. Indonesia, you are looking at a population of close to 300 million, uh, a very young population, and it's very vibrant social enterprise ecosystem there as well. But the challenge is the same. Indonesia is very large. You know, you can't have an equivalent of ways like in Indonesia because they are well spread up across the archipelago. Yes. Um. And Vietnam offers the same excitement as Indonesia. So, how what we hope to gather from all this is Singapore has always been the financial hub of ASEAN. And this is where the capital is. So we are focusing more on impact investments. Uh, that is based that the funds are based in Singapore, but with regional impact. And hopefully with, with that kind of movement, we have a commonality of, of what we are trying to achieve, uh, as an SE ecosystem from an ASEAN perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. Really interesting insights. So to finish off then, Alfie, I'm keen to hear of any books or resources that you'd recommend to our listeners.
1: Well, it depends on the stage of your life. I mean, if you're someone that is very young, uh, continue to read books, uh, books that acquire technical knowledge, uh, ability to execute. I do not like, uh, I discourage people from reading self-help books uh, because it takes away your own personality and views on how you see things Mm. but if you are someone that is in your prime in your 30s onwards stop reading books Um, now is the time for you to write your own books to act on it and you know leave a legacy behind Uh, so yeah a different perspective but i i don't recommend heavy on reading books if you are at that stage of your life that you should be doing something
0: it sounds like a clear action to stop talking and start acting.
1: Yeah, I mean, what COVID has taught us, life can be short. And, you know, you, you just don't want to be reading books and acquiring knowledge and not doing things because there's so much joy in doing things. Be it a, whether it's a success, you know, you're going to get all the you know, adulations and the rewards. Even if it's a failure, you learn. And you get yourself to be stronger the next time. And life is short. We know that.
0: It's a great way to wrap up the podcast today, Alfie. Thank you so much for sharing your deep insights and your time with us today. We really appreciate it. And we'll look forward to tracking your journey down the line as well.
1: Thank you, Tom, for having me. Thanks
0: for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org.